Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Last week, guys, we talked about so many things, right? Verses 1 through 5 were packed with just such amazing truth. Now, the first thing we talked about was Adam and Eve being married. You guys remember that? Having sex. Don't talk about sex in church. Having sex, right? They had sex under the guides of being married, and Eve was actually getting pregnant. That's what happened. And we here's what we learned about Adam and Eve. We learned that they were obeying God's command to be fruitful and multiply. That's what God told them in the beginning. Go, have a blast. Be fruitful. Multiply the earth. Adam and Eve said, amen. Let's do this thing, right? Number two, we said Adam and Eve, they were married by God. That's the one thing we need to understand. Marriage covenant is found in Genesis 2, right? 24 and 25. They were married. That is so important, right? You want the blessings of God in your life? We want to be married under under his blessing. And then we saw Adam and Eve, what, well, of course we learned they had sexual relations, right? How do you know this? Because Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says, and Adam knew Eve. That's what it means. It means that they, they consummated that marriage. They knew each other. And I think it's so important. Why? Because such, such an intimate detail in the lives of married people. And I think that often, that often translates later on to our, to our intimacy with God. How, how we're intimate with each other. And again, not, in, not only in sex, but just in hugs and, and, and hearts and words and, and conversation. It just, it, it, just, it, it just leads us to that's how we are with God. And so we see that Adam knew Eve. We also learned that Adam had two, or Adam and Eve, Eve had two boys. One was named Cain, right, which means acquired. The other was Abel, which means breath. You want to write that down, guys, because there's something very interesting later on. Abel means breath or, or breathing, right? We know that one was a farmer, while Abel was a shepherd of the sheep. No big deal there, right? Nothing, nothing going that steps out of that way. You need to go, why? Because, because Cain was a farmer. I mean, I, mean, I mean, Adam was a farmer, and so Cain just followed in his footsteps. Okay, Dad, what do you do? Right? This is kind of what, what, what we do. is a funny story, but last night when I got home, I got out my drill, and there was some, some fence stuff that I needed to fix, some screws that were coming loose, and got out my drill, and my little four-year-old granddaughter would follow me around, and she wanted to help. I'll, I'll press it, and she wanted to learn. So it's not a big jump to go, why was Cain a farmer? We know that that's probably what he did as a little boy. What are you doing, Dad? I'm tilling the ground. This is what we do, son. I don't want to tell you why, because we know we got kicked out of Eden, right? But this is what we're doing. And so, but Abel was a shepherd of the sheep. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Eve conceived and bore Cain. And here's what she said. She looked at Cain. Oh, here. And, it, and she gets him. She's like, oh, it's a boy. And she says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. So she is really excited. You go, why would she be excited? Well, here's the thing, right? When, when she goes to name Eve, when, she, when Eve goes to name Cain and says, I'm going to name him acquired, right? She uses a play on words here, right? But her perspective is, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And I'm thinking she was, I wonder if she was thinking, is Cain the promise that we learned in Genesis 3.15, right? Is, is he the promised guy? Is, is he, he's, here's my boy. 
Is he going to fix everything that, that we messed up? He's, he's a man. I've acquired a man. And you go, well, what was Genesis 3.15? Well, if you recall, Genesis 3.15, it says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So she's thinking, this is it. This is it, Cain. The problem was is that Cain was not the Messiah. We know Jesus was. Cain was not the Messiah. He was is going to be a murderer. So he's not the Messiah. He's the murderer. We're going to see that today. Now, I bet Eve, right? Mama Eve, how you doing? I'm hoping Cain. I'm home, I was hoping that Cain was going to be the promised Messiah. And he would fix the, all the mess that the parents brought. And they plunged him to. And of course, like we said, we know that Jesus was the seed that was talked about in Genesis 3.15. Then last week we looked at that phrase, in the process of time. Because what we learned next was that it was time for church. It was time for church, right? It was a time to come and worship the Lord. So the process of time, literally in the Hebrew, that phrase means at the end of days. And the implication was that it was something that they regularly did. It was something that was prescribed Okay, it was Schofield who writes uh, later on, he says, uh, he really believes that this was prescribed, that God had told him, this is how I want to be worshipped. Okay, now you go, well, Ben, why are you standing on the side of the pulpit? Because the Bible doesn't say that, we're just assuming in the process of time that it was prescribed. Okay, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But, but we know that it's this, right? In the process of time, God revealed to them how he should be worshipped how he should be worshipped. Look at verse 3 real quick, right? It said, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. Cain was angry, right? Here comes Cain and he brings an offering of fruit to the ground to the Lord. Okay, this is what he says. Here, Lord, here's fruit. Here's the fruit of the ground. Here are the vegetables. Here are the carrots. Here are the whatever vegetables he brought. He brought that as an offering. It says, the Bible says that Abel, he didn't bring vegetables. He brought the firstborn of his flock, the firstborn. Okay, and so he comes and he sacrifices them. Now, here's what we need to grasp. In and of themselves, both offerings were okay. Unless God had prescribed that, that they needed to worship a certain way. But the offerings, the, the, the fruit itself, the lamb itself, I mean, they were, they were fine. The major problem was the prescribed way to worship and the heart of the worshiper. The heart of the worshiper. See, listen, God does not see worship apart from the worshiper. God does not see worship apart from the worshiper. It's kind of like if you come in here and we go, okay, guys, it's time to worship. Everybody, let's lift up our hands to Jesus. And your heart is not here. You're worshiping your hands. Your eyes are closed. You're swaying back and forth. And you're just doing this, but your mind and your heart is, what are you doing tomorrow? What's going on? You're not even here. And God's going, you're not worshiping me. You might be singing the songs, but your heart is far from me. He doesn't, guys, listen. He does not see worship apart from our heart heart. Now, 
The two schools of thought we talked about. I want to bring them to you again. The two schools we talked about last week. It says that God didn't respect Cain's offering because, let's just say, let's just stand where Schofield stand. He said, because God had given him in the process of time a prescribed way of worshiping. This is how you need to worship. You need to worship with an animal sacrifice. We know that, right? We know that. That's You go, okay, okay. God may have told them, in order to worship, you have to give a living sacrifice. Now, this makes sense to me in this school. You go, why, Ben? Because in verse 4, we see the firstborn of the flock is a type of Christ, the Lamb of God, who would one day die on the cross for our sins. And when you think about this Lamb, it's, it fits the symbol of Christ as one who was what? Who is unresisting innocence. You know what he mean? Well, that poor little lamb that Abel brought <laughs> didn't resist. It was innocent, and it was sacrificed on behalf of the worship of Lord of the Lord. And you go, oh, okay. Another reason I stand in this school is because of Hebrews chapter uh, nine, verse twenty-two. It says, "According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission." So if it was prescribed, God's going, listen, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, that's New Testament. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. That's a school of thought. People go, it's prescribed. It's in the process of days. It's prescribed. That's why. That's Abel. Cain came. He didn't do what God told him to do. And now he's hoping to get good grades by not doing the homework. The second school of thought we talked about last week, guys, was that God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering. Now, listen due to the fact that it was simply that Cain was simply going through the motions. It was his worship out of duty and not a desire to worship the Lord. You see, the quality of the offering and the condition of the heart. So a school says, no, no, see, the offering, God came, but his heart, God could see his heart. And it was, it was far, he was going through his motions. He was just going through the motions, right? None of us do that when we come to church. Oh, I gotta go to church. Okay. When is it gonna be done? Okay. Let's, can we get the music going? All right. So, we, we, none of us do that, right? We don't, and God sees our heart, and, and, and He's going, but listen, and, and here's the thing, guys, here's the thing. Listen, we, we gotta grasp. When we, when the American church, guys, right now, just, we're sometimes so culturized that we come in, we're ready, and we forget that we're worshiping a living God who really deserves to be worshiped. A God who, who we walk with and, and who's, who's, he's sacred and loving and holy. And, and we come in and we go, <sighs> okay, amen. Whether, whether it's the songs, whether it's the preaching of the word, whatever it might be, we forget that God is here. And so again, our worship is like, where's my heart? Oh, okay. I like Wednesdays. Pastor, don't get me wrong. I like Wednesdays. I like the music. I like coming. I need that midweek feeling. Let's go a little bit deeper, guys. In our walks as Christians, we should be coming ready to receive what God has for us. We should come going, he's God. Part of me goes, right? Because we know our own hearts, right? But another part is going, man, God's here. And we're going to celebrate communion. And let's go, listen, how many of you come expecting God to do something amazing in your life? How many of you came here today going, God, speak to me. 
Speak to me. Show me who you are. I want to know you. I want to know you even more. I want to, I want to, see, I want to feel you. I want to, Lord, I'm not looking for this big sensational goosebumps, Holy Spirit, but I want to know you amazingly. I want to see. I'm coming. I'm coming. Open, open your heart. Open, open my heart, God. Show me. And say, so I wonder if Cain came with just the attitude, yep, church. <sighs> Here you go, Lord. Here's some veggies. Here's some veggies. I don't know why I'm a farmer anyway. Hate that job. There's a big world out there. I want to I wanna go see it someday. And, 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 and during the time that he should be walking with God, the God that created him, his heart and his motives are somewhere else. You go, Ben, that's two schools of thought. Where do you land? Here's where I land. I think it's both. I think it's both. I think God gave him a prescribed way based on what I read in the New Testament. I also think that Cain came with just the motives. Just the motives. But here's what we do know. That's my stand. Here's what we do know. According to Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 4, the word of God says, by faith offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Though which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, testifying of his gifts, and though he being dead still speaks. You go, what happened? Guys, it says by faith that Abel offered. By faith. By faith. So in verses 3 through 5, here's what we learned. Abel brought a sacrifice, an offering, by faith with a pure heart. What did Cain bring? He brought a bloodless offering, and his heart was what? Well, if it's, not unbe- if it's not faith, it's unbelief, and that displeased God. That displeased God. Can we talk about belief for just a moment? Church, I want to I make sure that we have the right believing in God. There's a lot of people who get up and go, I believe in God. I believe. I believe in a sunrise. I believe that I have oxygen. I believe I can see. I believe. But the word that John implies, employs, guys, it's a word where you're all in. You're all in. Your life is no longer your life. It belongs to Jesus. Your life, you are a servant of the living God. He he can do anything he wants to do with your life, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, and you're okay with that. You go, I'm all in. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe with confidence, and I know whether I take my last breath or I hear a trumpet sound, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm all in. I'm all in. Church, are we all in? Are we all in? Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take us going, I'm in, I'm in. I want to see what God's going to do. I want to see what God's going to do. What happened? Well, Cain got angry, right? Last week, we left Cain being very, very angry. And so it even showed so much on his face. What happened? Well, we could say this, that things didn't go his way. It didn't go the way of Cain. God says, Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Right? Well, Cain just still gets angry and he sulks about it. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for angry because it means to be hot, furious, to burn. You see, he wasn't just going, ah, a little angry. He was hot. He was furious. He offered the wrong offering, the sacrifice, heart's not pure, unbelief, and he's mad at God. He's mad. It shows in his face. It shows in his face. Now, we have to chat. We have to chat. Because this hit me so hard. Because I think there are times in our lives that we get angry or we feel angry with God. I think there are times. 
I think there are times as believers that we lack understanding of what God is doing in our lives and we get angry. Can I get a witness? Okay, so you guys are with me. There are times, even as believers, there are times as believers we kick dirt, God, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. There are times in our lives when we just clench our fists and going, why is things not going my way? And I, I really believe that, right? And we too, like Cain, express our frustration and, 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 and to God in anger. And usually when things don't work out in our favor, if we could be honest in church, you go, what do you mean? For example... When we get and we ask God to help us get that new job, God, please, I just want that job. I just, I just really want that job. And it doesn't go through. Do we get angry at God? We're like, God, what? It was the perfect job. Are you kidding me? I was telling Nathalie the other day, before we moved to Missouri, I had applied for a bank job. And like, like this was a shoe in okay? My, one of my good friends was, was the bank. He told me about the... This was a customer service. I did customer. I had everything go up. I showed up for the interview. And I'm thinking, and I asked her, I told her, you know what would have happened if I had gotten that job? She goes, yeah. We'd still be in Santa Fe. We, you, you might not even be pastoring. That might have been a job where you just stayed in there and you would have been in the bank and who knows. And, and I'm going, looking back, we go, man, that, as much as I was upset that I didn't get that job, I know God was doing something far greater. But we still get angry when that happens. You go, well, what else? What else? Well, maybe, maybe it's like, well, we didn't get that promotion. We didn't get that promotion at work. You were the right person for the job, and you didn't get it. Oh, no. And here's what, even, here's what makes us mad even more. Is the ungodly guy got it. The guy who cusses, the guy who, who doesn't go to church, that, oh, seriously, Lord, do you not, hello? Y'all looking at me like you don't believe me. That's what we do. That's what we do. Honesty in church? No? Yeah, honesty? There are times, and, and, and I've seen this happen in my wife's life, in my life, I've seen this happen in in a pastor that I listen to, his life. There are times, guys, that we get angry with God when we don't understand. Because when, when Nathalie got cancer, you often tend to go, really, Lord? I could name several women who don't follow you or serve you, and they're healthy. Really, Lord? Just me? Right? We, we, and, and the Lord says, really? Let, do you want to chat? And then we feel like Job. And we're like, no, we got Never mind, Lord. You, you know. Because God has his way. And here's the one thing. God doesn't give you cancer. He doesn't give you all any of this stuff. It's just the fallen world we live in. But we tend to take the emotions and we tend to say, why not this person? He's not even serving. She's not even serving. Right? And so, again, we get angry. You guys tracking with me? This is, I mean, this is so deep because Cain got angry. And see, there are so... So, there are so many things in life that we don't understand. I'm thinking, guys, we get angry at God when we ask God for a favor in a relationship only to be hurt by the person who promised to care for us. We're we're angry. In our lives, all our lives we have been taught to believe God for stuff, to trust God, and that God is love, and He is. He is all those things. 
But then something happens, something doesn't, or something does happen, it doesn't happen, and, and we get wounded by our circumstances. Now, why do you say, why do you say wounded? I'm going to tell you in just a moment, guys. I say wounded because there are times in our life when life hits us so hard, so hard, and we, we're on our face and we're praying, and the outcome is not what we prayed for. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's in those times that we feel wounded, we have hurt, we have pain, and we become angry. I can't believe this. And I believe, guys, there are folks still walking around, even as believers, with open wounds of anger towards God. Oh, we're not shaking our fist towards God, but there's there might be a little wound where we're going, well, I'm still a little... Still a little angry about that. Uh, I'm still a little hurt about that. That's, that's okay, Ben. You're touching. You're, you're touching. You're touching a nerve here, Ben. Calm, calm. Can we move on? Let's move on. No, no, no. But but I, but this is such an important point, guys. Because I think I think it's 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 that. And I think there I think there are non-believers that are hurt by God. And when we tell them about God, they turn you off right away. Why? Because God somehow hurt them. The church somehow hurt them. The pastor somehow, and they're and they're angry. They're non-believers, but I think there are believers who carry a little bit of open wound, if you will, of anger for whatever life had thrown in. You go, okay, okay, I'm with you. Wounded. I'd like to. I'd like to encourage you a little bit. Then, if I'm talking to you, let me encourage you tonight. Don't be like Cain. You see, his anger towards God is going to manifest in what, guys? In murder towards his brother. His anger towards God, his anger in general, is going to manifest in a wicked heart. A heart that was capable of murder way before he ever used his hands. So don't be like Cain. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Jot this down, guys. Psalm 30, verse 2. Psalm 30, verse 2. Write that somewhere in the Bible. Psalm 30, verse 2, because it says, O Lord my God. I cried out to you, and you healed me. And you healed me. That is so, 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 so comforting. See, rather than ignoring our hurt and our pain, or not sharing our anger with God, because we don't, right? I mean, what's the matter? God knows anyway. God knows. Are you mad at God? No. He knows, right? So we don't share, we don't tell God, God, I'm angry because I don't understand. And the biggest question, the, the biggest word that Christians use, why? Why? It was during Nathalie's cancer that the, the why question came up. And quickly the Lord, the Lord revealed to her not to say why, why me? Why not me? Why not me? And so, and so, we need to not ignore it or not share it with God. I think we should confess our anger and, like the psalmist said, seek his healing. Seek his healing. Lord, here's a wound right here, and it hurts, and it's tender to touch. God, please, would you, would you heal that? Would you heal that in me? I don't understand. 
but I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to cry out to you. I can't figure things out. I don't know. But I need healing. I need healing. Here's why. Listen to me. Listen. Very rarely do we show people our wounds. Oh, check it out. Look at this wound, man. It's all yeah, it's bloody. It's Very rarely do we do that when it still hurts, right? But what we do show people is our scars because then it's healed. Hey, check out this scar. And we're we're more we're 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 quicker to show people our scars because that's when healing had already come. And so again, we, we're asking God to heal. To heal. Listen, if you're angry with God, things didn't go well for you, you're hurt, tell him. Tell him. Lay your heart open before God. Acknowledge that even, you know, while you don't understand what happened, the key is that you trust that he can make everything work out. Here's what I believe, guys. I believe that God can and will heal your heart from a pain of loss or the scars anger has left. I believe he can heal that. I believe that God can heal that, guys. You go, why? Because I look at Cain, right? And Cain missed it. Cain didn't get healed. Right? Instead of being healed, what did Cain do? Cain let his anger get the best of his life. That's what he did. Next week or the week after, we're going to see that, that, that one of the saddest verses that we could ever see. And it says that Cain left the presence of the Lord. That's a sad verse. Instead of dealing with it, confessing God. Please. Cain rather would rather be a vagabond and he would rather warm the earth as a fugitive. Well, that's where we pick up our story tonight, guys. We're going to pick up story right there. If you're taking notes, guys, we're going to cover just a couple of verses. Cain is on the road, if you will, to religious ruin. Okay? Even when our God, our wonderful, amazing God, shows the most wonderful grace. Uh, I want you to jot this somewhere down in, in your notes or your Bible. Okay? Just put it somewhere. Put this. God knows. God knows. Even when we think he doesn't, God knows. Even when, and why do you say that? Because, because they're going to see a lot of questions that God asks. It's not that God doesn't know. It's not like God going, hey, where's Abel? Hold on. Hey, Michael, did you see Abel? Did you, where have, he knows where everything is. He knows our heart. He knows your life. He knows your thoughts. He loves you anyway, but he knows. Okay, he knows. So why does he ask questions? Well, let's look at it and see. Okay, picking it up in Genesis chapter Four, verse six, right? So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Now, Cain is angry. Things didn't go his way. God comes to say, why are you angry, dude? Now, the first thing I want to draw your attention to here, guys, is God's grace. You go, well, God's just asking questions. Where do you see God's grace? Well, I want you to notice with me in verse 6, the word Lord. The word Lord. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it's Yehovah or Jehovah, but it's also Yahweh. It's Yahweh. And you go, well, why would it be God's grace? Well, well first of all, I know it's the proper name for the one true God. And here is, here's the grace of God. Because I'm thinking he could have employed the term Elohim. 
And God, right, this, this creator, powerful God said, why are you angry? That's not what it says. It's like the Lord's going, hey, hey, why are you angry? Why, why is your countenance falling? Why do you look like that, Cain? God doesn't owe us anything, does he? But I see his grace because he loves us. I mean, I'm thinking, he, he, so I see God's grace. I see, I mean, I mean, think about this. But worship, guys, worship. It's not being afraid of God. It's about a personal relation with the God who loves you. That's what worship is about. God doesn't come and go, listen, you, you, you offered a wrong worship. That's okay. He's not, gonna, he doesn't, he's not waiting to strike you down. He's not up there with the, listen to me, he's not up there with the spiritual billy club ready to hit you when you get out of line. He loves you. He employs the word Yahweh and the Lord. And the Lord came. And the Lord came. You see, think about it now in our, in our cosmos, in our world. Think about this. The Lord Jesus is coming and he's wanting and he's bidding people to come to him, right? He's coming. But one day, Elohim is going to judge the world. And I don't want to be in that judgment. When God steps up to the plate and says, okay, you want a world without God? You don't think I exist? Right now, he's coming with loving arms going, please, please. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Come, come to the altar and, and be cleansed. And, and, and I love that, and I see God's grace. You see, I believe the Lord is not looking for people to worship him out of duty, but to worship him out of a desire, to worship him out of devotion. Worship, guys, comes from understanding who we are in light of who he is and what he's done for us. Does that make sense? Worship comes when we go, I know I need my feet clean, I need my hands clean, but I'm coming into worship, and I, and I start to sing the songs in light. I know who I am, but I start to sing the songs in light of who he is. Do you, do you, do you guys get that? I mean, he leaves who? He leaves the 99 for you. I don't deserve it. I mean, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, Right. For me? For you? Yeah. That's amazing, right? That's worship. Why? Because you're not here going, holy, never-ending, reckless love of God. I need to go home now. I'm very tired. Guys, the, the motives are wrong, but we should be here going, wow. He loves that again, guys. Think about this. I, I want to worship him, guys, out of a desire and out of a devotion. Back in our text, guys, the Lord asked the question Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? Here's what we discovered Cain brings a half hearted offering to God, his motives are wrong, his heart is wicked, and God says, No, 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 no. So Cain gets angry, he gets heated, he's furious. And our wonderful Lord asks him, why are you angry? I think that's grace. Wouldn't you agree? I think that's grace. Because as I was sitting at my desk today, here's what I was thinking. Here's what I was thinking, okay? I asked myself a question, okay? God comes to Cain 
Cain's like this. He's angry. His face, his countenance is fallen. God goes, why are you angry? Why is your countenance? Now, listen, what if I were God? Or what if you were God? Okay? Think about this, guys. What would you, what would you have said? What would you have said, right? Uh, I mean, maybe verse 6 would read just a little bit different if you were God. You go, what do you mean? Well, humor me for just a second, okay? Verse 5 says, and Cain was angry and his countenance fell. New verse 6, right? If I were God, what would you say? Excuse me? Cain? (laughs) What is this? Right? Right? Excuse me? Right? No, 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 no. You're not going to be angry with me. Toast. That's what I would do. Okay? The problem is, is I'd be toasting people all over the place. Right? You came wrong. Now, I'm got, mm-mm. Now you do the same thing too, right? Here's how I know. Because you dads and moms, you have a look. And when you do something wrong and dad looks at you, you just know. Right? Mom and dad don't ask you, oh, I asked you to clean your room. Why are you so angry? Why is your continence falling? You go, excuse me? Okay. Right, moms? Dads just have to have a look. And kids are like, cool, I'm good. Right? I mean, that's what we do, right? What we do with God. Or, 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 or sometimes, right? You might tell, you might, if you were God, you might see like, Cain, you need to wipe that whatever off your face, buddy. You need it, right? Thank God we're not God, are we? Here's why. Here's why. Listen. Here's what we need to learn. God, our Father, operates out of love because He is love. We often operate out of the flesh, out of our culture, out of our upbringing, out of our circumstances. But I think this is a place where we can grow. You go, what do you mean? Jot this down. Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You've heard that verse, okay? So Paul's saying, you need to imitate me just like I imitate Christ. And, and here's the growth. Here's where we want to grow, guys. Here's where we want to grow. Church, let us learn to love and live like Christ. Let me say that again. It's a process, but I want to learn and I want to live like Jesus. I don't want to operate in my relationships out of my flesh. Excuse me, you're angry? Are you angry? Get in my office. You know? <laughs> Julia's like, no. See, I can just look at her. I want to operate out of love because God is love. I want to imitate him. I want to imitate him. And I know, guys, it's hard. I know because we got culture, we got upbringing, and that's what my dad's going to be smack, you know. But we got a new heavenly father. Because if you were born again, guess what? That old you has died. You're a new person in Christ. And, and I want to learn, and I want to grow this, guys. In our conversations, can we reflect him? How about this? How about we err on the side of grace? Error on the side of grace. And you go, why, pastor? Why? Here's why. Listen to me. 
Because one soul, the Bible says, is more valuable than the whole world. He writes this in Matthew 16, 26. He says, for what profit is to a man who gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Why should we err on the side of grace? Why should we love people back to life? Why should it be a church that, that imitates Christ in our conversations and, and, and what we do? Because one soul is so precious. One soul, that's, that's the price. One soul. If you're taking notes, guys, I want you to jot what James says about anger. This is what James says when things don't go our way. James chapter 1, 19 and 20, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of God does not produce the righteousness of God. You go, what does wrath mean? It's another word for anger. Here's what James says, guys. When things don't go our way, what's the first thing we should do? When conversations get awry, what's the first thing we should do? We should be swift to hear. Hold on. I can't hear when I'm talking. Swift to hear. How many of you know how to hear? You go, I do. No, no, no. Seriously. Because here's what we do. When it comes to hearing, when it comes to listening, sometimes in a conversation, if a heated conversation happens, you're already defending, you're not listening to what's being said. James says, slow down. Be swift to hear, okay? Slow to speak. Now, it doesn't mean speak slowly. It means hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. You guys with me so far? And slow to anger. Slow to anger. Why? Why, pastor? For the anger or the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's what James tells us to do. Now, God attempts to comfort Cain in a restored fellowship with him. Look at verse 7. He says, Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door, and its desire is for you, and you should rule over it. I want you to grasp this, okay? Cain is promised restored fellowship if he does well. But if not, the effects of sin are ready to pounce on him. It's like, Cain, you you got this? Now, let me unpack this verse, okay? Cain, if you do well, prescribed in a pure heart as well as an animal sacrifice, Abel's offering implies previous instruction, for it was by faith. Faith is taking God at his word. Cain's unbloody offering in wicked heart was a refusal of, of, of by faith in the divine way. And what God does in the midst of this is he offers a last appeal to Cain. The Lord made a last appeal to Cain. God, God, Cain, listen, listen. Just bring a proper sacrifice and, 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 and we'll be back in fellowship. Just, uh, just bring a pro- proper sacrifice, Cain. You'll be accepted. What do you think Cain was doing at this point? Or what do you think he was thinking? And then the Lord says this. Check it out. If you do not do well, guess what? Sin lies at the door ready to pounce. Some of your translations will say crouching, it's lies. The Hebrew verb here is ravatz, that's the word. It can refer to lying in wait like a predator does when waiting for prey, right? It's, it's waiting. That's what sin's waiting to do. If you do well, won't you be? And if you don't do well, 
Sin's going to be ready right there. Sin's going to be ready. Sin's going to be ready. And, and what happens? There it is. It's a desire for you, but you should rule over it, right? That, the word desire means a longing and a craving for you, for you. Cain, listen, all you have to do is repent. All you have to do is bring the right sacrifice, bro. Hey, it's okay. If you don't, guess what? Sin, sin is waiting to pounce on you. It wants to, it wants to rule you, man. It wants to rule you. Peter speaks on this like this. Check it out. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, right? Vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He says, we need to be watchful. We need to be ready. Why? Because there's the devil waiting. Waiting. It's almost like, there he comes. There he comes. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Okay. Before we move on to the murder of Abel, we've got to learn from this verse, okay? It's a key verse for our life, for the life of a believer. Why? Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to reflect really on what's happening, okay? The question we need to ask ourselves, you ready? Write this down. Who slash what is ruling my life? Who slash what is ruling my life? And you go, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, the question that we would ask ourselves, of course, would be, is sin ruling my life? Is sin ruling my life? It's ready. It wants to pounce. It wants to, it wants to engage. It, it's waiting as a prey. Is sin ruling my life? It wants to. It wants to. That's a good question to ask. That's always a good question to ask. Is sin ruling my life? You go, what's the other question we should be asking, guys? Well, is God ruling my life? Is he the master of my life? Pastor, I got a question. Is there an in-between? No, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. There's nobody going, hey, listen. Well, let's see. I like to dance with sin a little bit here. But listen, and I'll obey God over here. But I kind of like to dance with sin. You know, I I got a little pet sin at home, right? I'd like to pet. No, no, no. What What is ruling your life? What is ruling your life? Good questions to ask, guys. Verse 8. Now, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass. They were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Okay? Remember, chapter 4, we see a lot of firsts. What did we see? The first pregnancy. We, see, we saw the first birth. We saw the first family. If you want to highlight verse 5, we saw the first religious hypocrite. Right? Now we see the first crime. Last week I put CSI Eden, but it rem- I was reminded today that they were kicked out of Eden. So I put CSI out of Eden. Right? We're going we're gonna to look at that. And then, of course, we see the first death of a human. So what happens? There's Cain. He finds Abel out in the field. He talks for a bit. And then he murders him. i got to ask, guys, did that anger, did that anger, the wickedness in his heart, I mean, did it manifest into murder? Why did, why did Cain murder his brother? What did Abel do? What did Abel do? Abel was just going, he was just doing what God had called. Hey, we're bros. We're bros. John tells us. John tells us. In 1 John 3, 11 and 12, it says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Can I get an amen? 
Not as Cain, who was the wicked one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? And why did he murder him? Thank you, John. Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. His works were evil. Everything in Cain was evil. So if we have the CSI, right? What was the motive? A wicked heart with jealousy. It was jealous. He looked at his brother and he looked at his brother's life and he says, man, I don't like you. You think you're all that. You're holier than thou. You're Jesus freak. All the stuff that you want to... And he was jealous. And he... The Bible says Abel's works were righteous. Cain didn't like that. His works were evil. So he rose up one day and he killed his brother. Of course, then we have the... the we have the first death of the human. Now... Here's what I want you to see, okay? We're getting ready to close. We're going to get ready to close, and we're going to do some great worship with, with some time, okay? You guys wrote down somewhere in your Bible, Abel, his name means breath or breathing spirit. <sighs> okay, Abel, breath. And, 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 of course, Eve named him, right? Oh, I acquired a man, and then the next baby that came out is like, <sighs> breath, breath. Now, I'd like to use my imagination just a little bit. Maybe Abel came out, and he was kind of blue, and it's like, Oof. And Abel, and he breathed, and it's like, okay, we're going to name him Breath. We're going to name him Breath. Everybody got that? Abel, what does his name mean? I don't know about you, but in reading the narrative, it seems like Abel was on the earth for a short time. He didn't live very long, right? You remember that they lived almost 900 years? It didn't seem like, it didn't seem like Abel lived for a very long time. He was the first person, guys, the first person to die a violent death. He also, I don't know if you catch this, but he died childless. And he also was the first person to die as a result of a crime. What happened literally? Cain took the breath out of Abel. The Bible doesn't say how he killed them or anything else, but we know that he did. You guys with me? You with me? He took the breath. Now, here's what I find interesting. Cain killed Abel. He goes on to live and produce seven generations of children. What I found interesting is yet all of them... All of them are going to die in the flood in Genesis chapter 6. You go, okay, what is, why is that interesting? Here's what just stuck in my mind. I began to think about Cain's kids dying in the flood. How do they die? Pastor Captain Obvious, they drowned. Yeah. The water took the breath right out of their lungs. I was just like, wow. Wow. They, they died from drowning, having their breath filled with water. Cain took his, his brother's breath away in a fit of anger and rage and disobedience. And God's judgment on the world took away the breath from Cain's generation. Just struck me. Just struck me. Interesting. Just struck me. Interesting. You can chew on that for a little bit. Next week, guys, we're going we're gonna to talk once again about Cain, asking him, God's going to come ask him, where's your brother? 
And what we've learned up until this point, guys, is that the serpent was the only one cursed at this point, right? Now God is going to curse Cain from the earth, and he'll be a fugitive, and he'll be vagabond for the rest of his life. Okay, so I want to close, I want to close guys, with a recap of our study and move into our time of communion. What's the first thing? First, we must remember, guys, that our God is a God of grace and mercy. Even when we do wrong, he's there to pick us up, to put us on the right path. And we must realize that children of God, guys, we must realize that as children of God, we are not under wrath but under mercy. And that you can get a hearty amen. Thank you, Lord. Second, second thing we learned is we must search our hearts to see what's really mastering us. If sin seems to be ruling our lives, guys, now is the time to confess it to God and ask for forgiveness. He's standing here with his arms open wide going, yes, confess that thing. Don't let sin rule you. Don't let those desires take you away from me. And our prayer would be, Lord, help us to understand our greatest problem in life is not mere moral failure, but a failure to honor you. Third, third thing. We must remember what James tells us. James says that life is like a vapor. When I heard of breath, I was thinking vapor too, right? And I, and I would pray this, guys, help us to number our days so that we gain a heart of wisdom, a heart of understanding. And that we would develop a taste for truth, even the difficult ones. Life is short. Life is short. And last but not least, we need to be careful with our anger. You go, why? Because remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 21 and 22? He says, you have heard that people were told in the past, don't commit murder. Anyone who does will be brought to trial. But now Jesus says, I tell you, whoever's angry with his brother will be caught, will be brought to trial. If you're angry in your heart, Jesus says it's, also, it's the same as murder. Same as murder. Why do we get angry? Because sometimes we don't let the Lord heal that. Sometimes we, there's, there's spots that we don't let the Lord heal and then, and then it just rises up and you go and the Lord's like, why are you so angry? What are you really angry at? Lord, I have to confess. Come and heal my heart. Because I want to imitate you. I want to imitate you. Let us not be like Cain, guys, a murderer in our heart towards others. Let us forgive. Let us confess that anger and let the healing process of Jesus come in. Father, we thank you today, tonight, for your word and the truth in your word. And so, Lord, I pray, God, as we get ready to partake in communion, God, that you would continue to still speak to us, God. And with an attitude of worship in the heart, guys, I would, I would pray that you would, as we come to the communion table, Josh is going to lead us in worship. If you need to spend time with the Lord, just uh, working things out, that's, that's what this time is for. But there are three things that I'd want you to do when it comes to communion, guys. Number one, I want you to look within. Look within your heart. God, show me my heart. Show me my heart. Paul says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord.
but let every man examine himself. That's the one thing we want to do. God, examine our hearts. Number two, we want to look back. Moses, in teaching the Passover, he tells the kids, guys, let me tell you what God has done. Let me tell you. Look back at everything God has done in your life. And last but not least, guys, when you're about to partake in communion, look forward. Look forward. Jesus said this, you have no idea how much I look forward to eating this Passover meal with you before I enter my time of suffering. It's the last one until, it's the last one, I'll eat it until we all eat it together in the kingdom of God. So what do we look forward to, guys? We look forward to communion. Like right, like right now, it's here on earth, but hopefully next time it'll be with him in heaven. So we want to look within, confess those things. We want to look back. God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for the blessings. And then we want to look forward. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.